Welcome to the Power Women in Insurance Show with your host, Teresa Kitchens. Join us as we laugh, talk about hard issues, support each other, and make our industry and our world a better place. Let's go. Hey, 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 everybody. This is Teresa with the Power Women in Insurance podcast. Today, we are doing a follow-up episode with a very good friend of mine, somebody that I think is funny, somebody who's dynamic, somebody who is tenacious, and somebody who has so much to offer the insurance industry that I asked her to come back on and give us a kind of a check-in where she's at and what she's been doing the last few years since she's been on the podcast. So today we have Nikki Henley. Nikki, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me again. Hopefully I can uh, give you some more information that's interesting. And uh, since you introduced me as funny, I'll try to be funny if I can. Uh, You are always. Kind of high expectations. You're always funny. Whenever we whenever we text or whenever I see your stuff online, I'm like, I'm never as funny as she is. So sometimes I'm like, I'm not going to go ahead and I'm not going to respond because I'm not going to be able to be as funny on the other side. Oh, gosh. So, but you, you do, you have a great sense of humor. You are so tenacious. And, and for all the listeners out there, Nikki started her agency, um, the Extra Mile Insurance Solutions is, is the name of it, not the in front of it, just Extra Mile Insurance Solutions out of Oklahoma. And she started in 2019. So then, bada boom, bada bing, all the craziness and make high and mayhem hits in March of 2020. And here's Nikki starting this brand new agency, Nikki. We brought you on in 2020, I think it was 20, I don't think it was 21, I think it was 2020, when you were really just like a year in, I think. Tell us about what this journey has looked like for you, because today we are July 21st, 2023, so you have actually survived-ish, now we're in the hard market, so that's a different conversation, but tell us how you've survived the last three years in building your agency. Yeah, so I opened in 2019, I've been a producer with. Um, multiple different agencies for about five years before that from State Farm, Captive, AAA, worked at other independents. And I decided to make the jump 2019, go out on my own. Uh, you know, you always think you can do it better. Uh, at that point, I really didn't know what I didn't know, which was yeah. good. I was a little bit naive jumping into it. Um, and really got it handed to me <laughs> after about the first year, because when that um, you know, the magical renewals start to come in and you're on your own. And then uh, not only was I trying to deal with running a brand new agency that I was new at running, not new at selling insurance, but uh, running an agency, ready to bring on staff, uh, getting very overwhelmed and bam, COVID hit. And so that just added to it. It almost, um, at the time of our last podcast, I laugh thinking about it. I almost kind of cringe because I was definitely in crisis but trying to put on that good face. <laughs> uh, you know, that I know what I'm doing. Everything's going smooth. In the background, I kind of felt like I was falling apart, honestly, uh, just because running an agency the first three years is tough enough to throw COVID in at year one, right? When you're starting to need to bring on staff. And then right at that time, you know, everything shut down and I couldn't, it was just a mess. Um, but it kind of worked out looking back. I wouldn't have said at the time because I was thrown into all these trials and forced to find new ways to market, new ways to find clients, new ways to service clients. Um, I had to streamline my processes very quickly to be able to manage what I had with what was going on in the world. 
um, at the time, it did not seem fun or um, like I was doing anything special other than um, treading water. But now that I look back, it actually was really good because now even in this hard market, I feel like I'm way ahead of the game for um, people who didn't go through it like that. Um, just if you had a normal agency without COVID uh, hitting right at year one, um, I was forced to kind of bring on technology and automations and VAs and things that I would have never looked at um, had I not been in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that. I love that. So what do you feel like as you got started made the biggest difference? Because I think is number one, and I talk about it all the time in here. I am a squirrel person. Like somebody else is something cool and it's all neat. I'm like, squirrel, I want to go look at that, right? Like I want to go investigate it. I want to go look, see if that management system or that CRM system or that phone system is much better than what I have. You know, maybe what I have isn't good enough. And I think as an agency owner, and especially coming in whenever you're new, we want to be able to, and we have in our head, right? If we come from a, maybe another location or another business or another agency, maybe that is a little bit more established, we think we need all of these different things, right? We think we need, and yet we hear about, especially if we get on some of these Facebook groups, all these different things people are doing. What did you find that helped you out the most when you first got started? And this may be surprising to some people, but it's not actually technology or a tool. It was mentors that changed the game for me because there is so much stuff and you want all this stuff. And I had a really good mentor early on. His name is Todd Shepard. Love him. Love him. Shout out to Todd Shepard. I just got, I had signed up for a mentoring program and um, randomly got him. I did not know him anywhere. He did not know me. And he really helped me focus early on. And one of his best advice that he gave me was, because I'm like, well, what about, you know, should I do rocket referrals? That could help me. Should I do, should I get it? Um, a CRM, because all I had was a management. Do I need a CRM? I don't have one of those. And he said, when there's something that you want, write it down in your business plan to review. And you only bring on new technology once a year. Write everything down when you get it. Okay. When you, if you want it, you write it down. Think about it right throughout the year or throughout whatever quarter you're in. Um, don't just get things because you think they're going to work at that moment. You need to put it into your business plan and then review that once a year. If you want to review it, you know, twice a year, that's fine, but you need to have a plan of when that's going to be implemented and why and how it's actually going to fit. And so that kind of gave me the um, permission to slow down. I'm like, okay, this guy knows what he's doing. He must, this must be right because everything around me is telling me I need this technology. I need this. I need this. I need this. I need this. And at that point, when he told me that, I had just come back from a conference in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the, right before COVID. And I had a bunch of stuff, like a bunch of technology. I had a rocket referrals. I had the, I um, can't remember the name of it, the commercial thing from Vertifor. Uh, I just. Termica or Tarmica, whatever people call it. No, it wasn't that. It's like a database we can look up. Um, class codes and you can look up was I wave is that what it is now no but there is something like that but I had multiple things I had agencies and had all this stuff so after I talked to him about oh my gosh there's even more stuff I want I actually stopped everything Mm. I canceled all of it to see what I was 
missing. And then I only started bringing back on the things that I really needed. And then I've implemented that rule. Now, I will look at things more than once a year, but I'm not just going to a conference, coming back, doing a demo, buying something. You know, I'm really thinking about it, sitting on it, seeing how it's going to work within my agency um, before I go with it. So that, to answer your question, that has been the biggest thing is to listen to people who've done it before around me before I jump into all that stuff. And that, and on that aspect, same with like, I talked to you extensively about VAs before I jumped in. Um, I talked to different people about the automation stuff. So before I'm jumping into any of these tools, I am talking to my mentors, the people I trust who I know they've done it. They've proven it works before I bring it in. So that has been the biggest tool for me is finding others in the industry that not only that you trust and that are your friends that have done it, because mm. you can have people that you that are in the industry that you trust, but maybe they haven't proven that system, right? right. Um, right. I know Todd has proven that system. I know you have proven that system with how you handle VAs. Um, and there's been a couple other, you know, key people that I really have leaned on uh, when I make those decisions. Yeah. And now it's kind of nice because I've been in it long enough that I have people coming to me asking me about the stuff I'm using. So I'm able to kind of give back in that way. And that's been great too. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I think it's wonderful whenever it does kind of come full circle, right? Is that you can you can give back to your community. And and I love that. And I love that you're so, so open to that. Cause I know you and I talk about different things and I'll shoot you messages and you know, and I'll be like, what do you think about this? You know, and and I love the fact that, but you're 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 very even though you may only make decisions or look at your technology or different pieces of your business to every you know six months or a year. I I love the fact that you're still um, really watching what your business needs. You're not just jumping on because it looks cool, it sounds cool. It you know somebody else said, oh, it made all the difference for me, and I went from this size agency to this size agency. You know, I love the fact that you're seeing what you need and you're seeing what your business needs because your business is not the same as mine. It's not the same as other people's. So to be able to say, what do you need with where you are right now is different because. I mean, all the noise, I'm I'm one of the first people that tries to jump on bandwagons and and I don't need to be doing all that, you know? And that's one thing this year, I've really tried to hold myself accountable for. I mean, I get shiny squirrel syndrome and I'm like, or shiny object syndrome, I'm like, Teresa, stop. I'm like, girl, you need to just stop yeah. right now. You know, I need to do that whole self-talk thing and just chill out. The, you re- know? the reality is, is that most of the technology is amazing and is awesome and can do amazing things, but does it fit into your workflow? Probably not most of the time. Does it work and how you like to do things? Is it going to work with your staff and how they're set up? Um, and a lot of the time, some of the stuff, um, you know, I've done things and I'm like, that wouldn't really work on how even little things like how we intake quote information. Like that's a cool part thing, but that would completely disrupt our agency on how we do that. So that might be something I put on the list. Let's revisit that. Do I really want to disrupt my entire agency for this piece of technology that is amazing. And it's been proven. Other people have done it. But um, I just um, really think about it because it's a lot on your staff to bring on new technology. It's a lot on you. And if it doesn't, you know, give you the return of what you're investing in it, not just money wise, but time wise, frustration wise, learning wise with your staff, then it's really can end up hurting you more than helping you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Um, so what, 
What do you think for you has been the biggest surprise at doing this? Because I know you had mentioned you worked for Captive, you worked for AAA, you 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 have experience in other areas. And of course, everybody always thinks they can do it better, right? Everybody thinks they can do it more efficiently. And everybody thinks that, and I agree, that they need a bigger cut of the pie, right? They think, oh, well, these people are getting rich and they're not doing anything, right? I'm doing all the work. It's normal and it's natural for us to feel that way. And I think I hear so many people choose to get on out there and do a, an agency of their own because of those exact same reasons. So tell me what has surprised you the most in this journey the last eight, last three years, four years, three and a half years, four years, something like that, wherever you are in yeah, that 2019 yeah. range. We're about four and a half years. It'll be five in January. But awesome. I think for me, the biggest surprise is why is there not a line out the door of people that want to work here and <laughs> want to learn from me? Honestly, like I am an amazing teacher. I am great at sales, marketing. I'm, as you said, I'm funny. Yeah. You know, uh, of course, I think I'm great, great to work with. And finding staff and finding not only just finding staff, that's a problem for every business, you know, keeping staff. But I had this vision of I'm going to bring in these women, these young women. I'm going to mentor them. I'm going to teach them to be just like me and bring them up and they can have their own agencies. And there's going to be so many that want to do it. I'm just going to be changing the world one woman insurance agent at a time. And that has not, <laughs> not worked at all. Total bomb. Uh, not only can I cannot keep uh, staff steady, um, I, I can't find anybody that wants to learn. It's really hard to find someone that has the motivation and drive that I had when I started mm -hmm. to go the distance. Uh, so I guess the biggest surprise is not everybody wants to be like me. Why not? Uh, it's just not there. And it is it is very surprising to see the that um, in the workforce right now. It's just it's, it's a little disheartening, but I've kind of, like you said, it's been a couple of years and I've kind of got reality kick me in the face of, look, this is not, I'm in a little bit of a fantasy land here about my employees and I need to get real. What do they want? what's best for them, not what's best for me. And that's what's going to make the difference. So yeah. that has the biggest surprise is really not all about me. It's more about what's in it for them. And my dreams are not their dreams. And True. I've got to find out what theirs are to keep them around. And I think for me too, sometimes I hire somebody thinking they're going to be a rock star and they can keep up and they do so many awesome things like for the first two, three weeks. And all of a sudden they start, you know, not being as um, excited about things as much as I am, but they start off really good. And then I'm like, oh, did I do something wrong? Did I do what do I need to do to try to help motivate them? And then I felt like I'm pulling out of them what I yeah. want them to do. And I really want to empower people to be their very best selves. But I don't know that I think I've really struggled with letting people have their own journey to be their own version of awesome because my version of awesome may not be their version of awesome as far as the business goes. Um, and again, trying to listen to what they want. Like you just said, listen to what they want. How can I help you to get what you want? Um, I think I was at one of the innovations. I can't remember which one it was. It wasn't Tampa. Maybe it was Tampa. No, I can't remember which one it was, but anyway, where somebody said they had their team fill out my, uh, my favorite things form or whatever, like all their favorite things or whatever. And then they use that to be able to use gifting and days off and motivation and things like that. And I think that goes a long way. I am not a gift person. Like that's not my love language. So I don't even think about 
Yeah, yeah I'm really bad at that. Little too. gifts, and that doesn't even it doesn't even cross my mind. It's one of those things I had to put. Veronica, my main virtual assistant, I had to put her in charge of gifting because I just don't even think about it. Even for like the team, even for patient, I mean, for clients, I just don't, it's not my wheelhouse. It's just, I don't know why I really, I mean, I appreciate it when I get gifts. I love it when I get them. I just, I just don't, um, it's not something I think about, you know, have you, how have you kind of worked that through? Like being able to acclimate your own personal tendencies (laughs) to make sure that you're loving on the people around you. Yeah, I, I'm not a big gift person either. I'm not, uh, we, I have never, I've heard about this doing the favorites form. That's just not really in my nature. I think it's kind of a salesperson personality where, you know, we're just trying to get down to business, uh, yeah. making the sale, making it happen. And it's hard to remember some people thrive off of that acknowledgement and appreciation. And so I have tried to be uh, better about that, especially with my VAs that I have. They, the ones that have been with me for a while now, almost two years, really not only show them appreciation with gifts, but more of bringing them kind of in the inner circle of the agency. Like, here's what we're trying to do. Here's where you fit in. What are your ideas? Where do you see gaps? And just letting them know that their um, opinion matters and that I do take what they're saying into consideration and you know we'll do things like we'll have team meetings where we're all just kind of throwing out input here's the problem how can we all solve it or here's I'm very transparent with not just the VAs but with all my employees about like look here's the numbers here's where we're at this is where we need to be and here's what your role in that is instead of just kind of saying uh you know you need to cross sell you need to cross sell you need to, here's your goal you need to cross sell but explaining to them what the whole why of it is for me so they can understand, I guess more just explaining what my why is so they can understand where I'm coming from and then trying to get to know what what theirs is and what they're trying to accomplish here. Yeah. So, um, but as far as uh, gifting, I I really don't have a solid plan on that. I'm kind of with (laughs) you on that. It's really difficult for me. I think I'd like to be able to say like once a quarter and I'm just sitting here thinking for 2024, like, cause I don't do it right now. I want to be very clear. I do not do this right now, but I was thinking about like right now, um, uh, Veronica has just like a prepaid visa number type thing that I just put $200 on a prepaid card or whatever. And then she can go buy things. Right. And, um, like she can do things on Etsy or she can do things on like, she can't, I mean, she can, she can't really do Amazon from where she's at, but she can do like other things and be able to send things. And so I'm considering having her and I have a standing appointment every quarter. So that way we can say for the next three months, what do we need to do to be able to gift towards whoever, right? So that way it's on my calendar that I talked to her about it. And then she puts it on her calendar when she needs to do whatever for whoever. And then that way it's her responsibility to do it. I think for me, I'm thinking maybe that might be a good idea. I don't know. But that way, you know, at least I feel like I'm, I'm trying, you know, because otherwise if it's left up to me, I'm just gonna I'm a... I'm just so focused when I walk in and when I'm working every day, I don't even, I get offended with myself personally. If I need to go to the bathroom, I'm like, hold on, I got to wait on that. I'm doing something right now. you know. (laughs) Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. 
Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. Yeah, for us, it's definitely more a culture thing. I try to just make sure that the whole culture of the office is really, we're all meshing well. We all have the same mission. We're having fun while we're here. You know, we have some, I call it a shakedown, where if I can tell everybody's dragging, even the VAs, we get on video, everybody get up, everybody out of their chair. Now we're going to shake it out. We're going to get focused and relaxed and have a little fun. And so we just... uh, Especially more now. In the beginning, I was all business. It's super serious. And I realized really quick that not everybody is that intense. And uh, honestly, uh, my husband tells me all the time, no one's going to love your business like you love it. They're just not. They're not going to be invested in it like you are unless you're the owner. So once you kind of let go of those expectations of your employees that they are going to put the same passion, commitment into this that you are, um, and that's kind of unrealistic to ask them to. Uh, and once you kind of let that go, or once I let that go, it kind of started meshing. Now, you know, and then uh, somebody, another um, Austin Moorhead with Lava, he he gave me some good advice too. He said, just prepare yourself that everyone is going to leave, mm. every employee. And if you can prepare for everyone leaving at any time, you're going to be way ahead of the curve. And so that was great advice too. Again, listening to people who know who've done it before. It's huge. Uh, and so it's huge. recruiting year, started recruiting year round. Once I started having some staffing issues, started being much more picky. And uh, instead of just taking the easy uh, hire, I've just been uh, doing more assessments, putting more time into to doing it, putting more money into the hires, not just, Oh, this person I can get for you know twelve dollars an hour. I'm going to get them. Well, I got about twelve dollars an hour worth of um, expertise, which yeah. is fine sometimes. You know, sometimes depending on what you need them. But so that's really uh, how I've kind of turned it, the staffing thing around so far. Fingers crossed. Now, just like uh, I said, I I am prepared now. If this happens again, where I have a, a major staff turnover, I'm going to be way more prepared than I ever have been. Yeah, it's not going to be a devastating crisis. It's just going to be a little hiccup. Right. And I do know that one um, one person I heard um, at some point, and I don't even think it was an insurance. They always said it is more the more your business revolves around one or two people, the less. The less it's worth. Right. Not necessarily for like if you were trying to sell, but like what if something would happen to you? What if something would happen to your team member? What if they're hit by a bus tomorrow? Right. So, I mean, all those people out there that have um, and we hear about this all the time is um, account managers and, ag- and agency managers that um, pretty much run it. And then they have an absentee owner and that owner is just kind of gone. It's great that the owner isn't necessarily in the middle of things because there's so many of us as owners, we are trying to work our way out of being the number one person in the center of everything. But at the same point, if we have a team member that's the number one center of everything, that we just abdicate everything to that one person, it diminishes the valuation of our business just overall, even to a bank, even if you just wanted to take out a loan, if you just even if you just wanted to do whatever, because the reality is if that one person isn't there, 
then how is all of this going to continue, right? How is their payments going to be made to the bank or whatever it is that they're doing? And that has really made me think differently about my business, about delegating, about making sure that I have redundancy and positions. And um, even if it's just somebody who can answer the phone, look something up on the on the computer system, even if they can't do all the details for that person, I at least need to make sure that we have you know, 50% of everybody's job, 60% of everybody's job that somebody else can do in the agency, you know, if absolutely required, right? Because otherwise, you know, the business isn't worth as much financially, but then on the other side of it, it creates us to be able to not have the freedom that we need to be able to live our lives. I mean, statistically, and I say this all the time, statistically, people go through a crisis of some sort every 18 months. And it might be that our car dies before we expect it to. And all of a sudden, we got to be able to put out money for a new car. Could be that we get sick. Could be a team member gets sick. Could be, you know, a death in the family. It could be a lot of different things. But if we take that into consideration, creating that... um like you said, that the expectation that people could leave at any time allows us to be a little bit more prepared for that conversation. Right. Yep. And we definitely, uh, this last year for me, I've brought on a ton of automation for our workflows processes, getting those ironed out. And this is really the first time that in the whole last, you know, almost five years, that now, you know, everybody's on the same page for every single process. So it doesn't matter if it's the VA, the CSR, another producer, this is how we do every single process. And it's it's been so nice because I wouldn't have survived without that when I was down, you know, about six months, seven months ago, I was down to me and two VAs because I lost a bunch of staff, which you already knew that. But um, at that point, I was like, okay, I've, I have to streamline my processes in automation to be able just to function until I can get some new stuff in. So, and now that I do have the staff built back in, having those processes in place for the new staff has been, for one, it's helped me recruit better people because I'm like, I have this amazing processes, um, all this, you know, technology set up and not just having it, but we have a plan and a use for all of it. And we know what each piece is doing and how they're working together. Because um, I had it before, but I just was not a cohesive. Um, it wasn't a one game plan. Like this is, this is how we're doing it. So that's been really nice. And that's really helped with that. Like you were talking about making sure I don't just have one person that knows how to do everything in the room. So if something were to happen, you know, and I actually just took a big vacation, which I hadn't done in a long time because I didn't have those processes in place. And it, it was really nice. <laughs> to, to so just the break. whole time was just like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I'm so happy. It's, right a, it's the first vacation I think that I've taken where I did not have a laptop and I wasn't quoting at all. I mean, I did not know nothing. I didn't answer emails, nothing. I just shut everything off and, and let it go. Wow. And guess what? It, it, I, I survived. It, the agency's still standing. So, you know, I have to say, even after 20 years, I usually I always take my computer with me everywhere, which I shouldn't do. Um, and I've, I've gotten where I don't pull it out, which is great. And I went on a uh, one week vacation with my sister on well, Tuesday to Saturday, not quite a week. But uh, we did a sister's trip just last week, and um, it was amazing. I did not pull out my charger, I did pull out my computer twice, maybe three times. 
but I did not pull out my charger. So I went the whole week doing whatever it was I was doing on one battery. So when I got home, I was so excited because I was like, I did not even have to charge my computer. Yes. Yeah. You know, and I just, and you know, but I just wanted to, we just, we just ended up with two or three vacations that were overlapping, unfortunately. So I was still a little bit of a mama bear than more than I should have been, but you know, it's, it's my choice at this point. Everything went fine. I was, it was more than anything, just checking in it. Honestly, nobody needed me to do anything. And when I got home, cause I made a big choice last year to try to do an out service outsourced service company that was going to help out with things. And they ended up messing up a whole bunch of stuff. So I ended up having to um, almost rehire and rebuild the whole agency in the past like eight months. So in a lot of ways, system structures, technology, everything. So that's why I was still just really kind of mama bearing everything. But um, it w- worked really well and it went really, really smoothly. And I've been super excited because um, I haven't been able to be that completely out in a very long time. I, I was doing pretty well there for a little bit. and then. Um, it all kind of fell apart like in the last two years. So, you know, it is kind of, it is kind of like, you're not always out forever and always, you know, kind of thing. But at the same point, you could be out for the vast majority. It's just, I made a big change. It was my fault and I needed to be able to get it back up and running. So, you know, I'm not always out forever. Yeah. I had some customers, I had a lot of my customers even be like, you needed to take a break. Like when I came back, they weren't even mad. They were happy that I got to get a break. So most of them, you know, have been with me for a while. So they're like, that's so great that you, we were able to get things taken care of and you were gone and it was no big deal. So that was nice too, to hear that feedback. Well, I love it. I love it. So where do you see yourself going for the next five years? So now as you're entering your fifth year or, or wrapping up your first five years, right in the business. So tell me a little bit about where do you want to go moving forward? Because there's all sorts of things. We're in the hard market right now, which I'm almost tired of talking about, you know, kind of thing. We need to be aware of it. We need to be proactively planning for the future. But as we look at your next five years and what you want to be able to accomplish your team and coming from your first, you know, setup phase into that space, because honestly, I think statistically, and I'm, I I might be wrong on this, but I think something like 65 or 70% of small businesses fail in the first five years. So you have overcome that. You're at the cusp of being able to overcome that. What do you want to be able to see for yourself in the next five years? Well, I think for one, I think trying to, I have learned that if I try to plan for the next five years, that's probably just setting myself up for failure because- right. There's so much unpredictable. I mean, COVID, who could have predicted that, right? That totally screwed up my five-year plan. Um, And then, like you said, there are these um, big incidents that happen every, what did you say, 18 months. So I just try to take it a year at a time. And instead of looking at the next five years, what am I going to try to do this year? Mm. And that makes it where I can actually achieve that goal without something now there are going to be things that are going to come in disrupted but it's a little bit easier for me to see uh and make a realistic plan for a year um because you know you don't know what's going to come your way in the next five that and it doesn't seem like it would be and you can have a direction but for me not just in business in my life every time I try to plan that far out life is like nope that's not happening right. I think it's going to go this way it's not going to go that way um but Right now, I, I want to just keep growing. Um, 
yes, we're in a hardened market, but I, I think as a salesperson, I've kind of used that to my advantage. We have, you know, every, even more people are shopping than ever. Yeah. And um, I'm trying to capture as many of those captive carrier clients as I can. Because yeah. as we know that the captive agents are, are, are the independent agencies, uh, biggest competitor. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not worried about the local agents around me. So um, I've been focusing on stealing as much as business, not stealing, but uh, taking it because we have better coverage and better rates and better service from yeah. those captives and try to maybe capture a little bit of piece of their market share while everyone's panicking because we still have good carriers. We still have good rates. We still are providing a great service. And the customers that are with us are valuing our advice during those times. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're winning. And so to me, yeah, it stinks. I hate remarketing this many people, but it's also a great time to work towards your advantage because there's so many opportunities out there. I mean, you really don't have to market that much to get, not like you would uh, last year or the year before. Yeah. Yeah. I think leads have been such a big conversation for so long. And I don't feel like there is much of a conversation right now in all of our, all of our, uh, the chat groups and everything on Facebook and everywhere that I'm at. And even when I go to meetings for like state conferences and things like that used to, people were like, where do you get your leads? How do you generate your leads? Oh, leads, leads. Now I'm not hearing that at all. Now I hear people saying we're overwhelmed. We're, we're getting so many calls in every day. Our, our calls have gone up at least 30%, you know, and they have new business coming in, you know, they also have business going out, but they have new business coming in. And, but I think we have more, a lot more business coming in than we do going out, especially if you take that educational approach and you say, Hey, it's going up across the board, like everybody, like every carrier, everybody, you know, and we'll go ahead and we'll explain some of the other challenges with different types of vehicles or, you know, with home carriers have left the state or, you know, nationally, whatever. And it lets people know that we are in that hard market, that it's not just my agency. And then they're not going to go to a an indep- another independent agency and get, you know, somebody who's in a soft market and I'm in a hard market, you know, it kind of thing. Yeah, no, it doesn't work like that. We're actually explaining it too good, and we had to change our way we're doing it because we're having people come in and saying, "My rate went up three hundred dollars with my carrier, so I'm shopping." And so we're trying to, we were trying to set the expectation. Okay, well, three hundred dollar increase on a home right now is actually pretty good, and here's why. And then they started coming back saying, "Yes, you're right. We think we're just going to stay where we are." And so I'm like, "Oh no, we don't want to stay where they are." And so uh, it's been difficult to try. For new customers coming in, we're actually explaining it better than their agents are. And then their agents are benefiting from our education because they're staying with them. Um, But we know they'll remember that next year when their rate goes up again and they'll come back because they know we're the ones that told them. So we're not too worried about it. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely trying to work. There's a lot of positives right now and insurance, you've got to look for them. You do. You do. If you can't focus on all this other stuff. Yeah. I love that you're embracing them. A lot of people are kind of going in a corner and crying, you know, kind of thing. And you gotta, you gotta say, Hey, you know, here's the benefits and here's where we're really strong. And um, I think those are the people that are going to survive in this hard market, the people who flourish and the people who step up and the people who um, look for growth opportunities and who track that growth opportunity. I think there's a lot of, a lot of reasons that, um, consumers are learning about the insurance policies a whole lot more now in the insurance industry than they did three years ago, five years ago. Before it was mainly 
Um, you know, we say this is a relationship business and it is, but at the same point, there's a certain percentage of it that is financial, right? I mean, there is a certain percentage, but right now we're seeing everybody's rates are going up, but we're having so many great conversations that I feel like I'm building better relationships. They're not treating me as much or our team as much like a turnaround shopping experience. They want to have these conversations. What is going on in the insurance industry? Whereas whenever they had a smaller increase and they just were trying to shop for price or whatever, which we try to avoid those clients anyway, but they're always there. They're always going to be a part of things. If we can have a better conversation above and beyond price right now to where we can really be able to help people because we can we can say, hey, if you're going with price, go for that. But the reality is somebody can cut your coverages dramatically right now, only have the conversation on price, and you'll never know the difference until you have a claim. And that's not necessarily what you want. You want to know that if you have a claim, you have the coverage. So we open up that conversation. A lot of people are like, oh, is that what people are doing? I'm like, yeah. I mean, you can go buy a shirt at Walmart or you can go buy a shirt at Macy's. Okay. And I mean, you know, the shirt at Macy's, if I drip something on it, because I do that all the time, because I'm a super messy eater. If I eat something from, you know, get something on my shirt at Macy's, usually it washes off really well. Right. But if I go to Walmart and I buy a shirt at Walmart and I love stuff at Walmart, don't get me wrong. But if I buy a shirt at Walmart and if I drip something on myself, I can almost guarantee you it's going to stain forever and always. And I'll never be able to wear that shirt again. Right. And I think that that's one of the things we need to think of in in insurance is that if you want a quick one and done, super cheap, there are insurance agencies out there. They're going to write the super cheap policy. They're going to give you, you know, a three percent deductible and you'll never know it on your roof. Right. Because if you're only going for price. But I see that clients are asking questions finally about coverages, about premiums and about what the carriers are doing. And I love that because I think it's opening them up mentally to the higher quality of insurance that they can be able to have. Are you finding yeah. that you just want to talk more? Yeah. And here um, this year, we've had some crazy storms in Oklahoma and a lot of them. And free, we've been having storm after storm after storm. We had a massive storm about two months ago, 100 mile an hour wind. And the thing that was massive about it is that it stretched across a huge amount. Normally I have like one suburb of, you know, Tulsa getting hit with hail, you know, right. one area. This is like Tulsa, the metro area and every single suburb. So we had a massive amount of damage from wind that wasn't a tornado, just straight line, hundred mile an hour winds. Everybody had trees on the roof, everybody. Yeah. And so there, even though we had those conversations, it's not, only are we having the price increase conversation now we're having hey remember when we talked about this this is what now this is affecting your claim because you chose this at the time and so they're really learning because they're going through claims and they're having the increases at the same time and we're having to talk to them about you know filing claims that are close to your deductible and how that's going to affect your renewal rate at the next year and they're listening because they're going through a claim and a rate increase same time and they know they want an expert that can tell what do I do yeah and who do they go to they go to the person that's been educating them the whole time they're not going to just jump to somebody who's like here's a, a you know two hundred dollars less than what you're paying and they're not getting the education it's it's super easy to retain clients when you're when you're approaching it that way yeah yeah we're also finding that people that have been with captive are realizing that if they make a phone call 
that sometimes the claims company will just automatically open up a zero pay claim. Not all of them, but some of them. And also they're like, I didn't have two claims last year or two claims, you know, but if they, they're realizing that, that they don't need to be able to, um, that an independent agent is more their consultant and an independent agent is more their person than just calling a 1-800 number. And we've run across that quite extensively too, that people are like, but I just made a phone call and we're like, well, yeah, they, you know, they used to do that a lot more, but especially I find that there are two specific captive carriers that all of a sudden people don't know they have two zero pay claims on their record. And I'm like, well, I can't do a whole lot for you or I only have these certain options because of that. And it opens up so many other better conversations about why do you need an independent agent? And um, those are huge education experiences. We've won quite a few of those over as well, depending on, you know, uh, how many claims they have. But we've had a lot of people that are like, well, as soon as these roll off, I'm coming back to you because you actually talked to me and you weren't just a, you know, toting the party line for the company. And so I think that, I think people are starting to listen a lot more. Yeah, definitely. I love it. I love it. Well, Nikki, if you could tell somebody out there who's getting started in this market, one thing that makes a difference, and I think I know because we had such a great conversation earlier, one thing that they need to make sure that they keep in mind, what would that be? They need to follow me on TikTok. (laughs) All the knowledge. I'm just kidding. Uh, Have fun. You know, don't be so serious. Uh, And then, as you know, get with mentors for people that you know have already done it. Seek them out. They're out there um, for somebody that's already been done it. And so you can kind of get their advice. And you don't have to do it the same way they did. You may even hear what they say and be like, that works for them. And it's not going to work for me. But uh, it's it's really good to have someone you can sound your your ideas off of and get feedback and um, without trying to figure it all out on your own. There's too many of us. There's no reason to have to do that. I agree. Uh, Unless you're trying to be, uh, you know, innovate something brand new, that's different. But when you're starting out, I think uh, there's some really good agents out there that you can totally get some great advice. I agree completely. Well, if Nikki, want, people want to reach out to you, talk to you a little bit about your process and how you're running your agency. Tell me how they can reach on out to you. Um, the best way is just to go to our website and click on the contact us. And it's at extramileins.com. Um, it's pretty easy to find. You can Google Extra Mile Insurance and, and find us pretty quickly. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Nikki, thank you so much for your time today. This has been another amazing episode of the Power Women in Insurance podcast with one of my favorite people, Nikki Henley. I don't know for sure if I actually said your last name earlier. I apologize. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. I don't remember. Nikki Henley with Extra Mile Insurance Solutions out of Oklahoma. We are thrilled to be able to have you. And thank you so much for giving us your time today. I really do appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for having me back. It was fun. I love it. Well, everybody, do check out our Power Women in Insurance podcast. We are on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere that you do stream out your favorite podcast. We do have a new episode every single Wednesday. So check us on out and check out the other women who are doing amazing things in the insurance space to help make way for the next generation. Everybody, we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>